life's journey, we often seek to know God's will and to understand our purpose. So we search, we question, we seek guidance. And just as clay yields to the potter's touch, we surrender to God's plan. When we trust God, we are transformed. The hands of the divine potter shape us, refining our purpose and molding our hearts. Our lives take on a new meaning as we align with God's will. We become his instrument of love, compassion, and blessing. Through our journey of knowing God and doing God's will, we find strength and courage and unity and a deeper connection with God. Just as clay transformed by the potter, God makes you complete, shaping you into what you were meant to be. Morning, everyone. In my prayer time uh, this morning and then afterwards, I just had this overwhelming sense of uh, wanting to say to you that God is doing awesome things in and through Wooddale Church. And uh, it's just fun to watch that. Um, last weekend, our Avenue campus under John Odom officially began, and they had 74 people. And um, John and, and the team are reaching the college football players down there. It's exciting. Uh, Miracle City, which was our Loring Park campus that we've released, uh, had their official start. God's just doing amazing things down there as well. And so exciting things uh, happening here. I think it's like 120 people in our re-engage uh, marriage class uh, that are growing and being strengthened in their marriage. Uh, we have a brand new CR director for our Celebrate Recovery ministry, and I just met him this morning. I'm so excited about what he's going to do in that area as well. Under Adam Sidler, we have uh, 40 uh, young adults who are really engaged, and that, that ministry is just going to take off and grow. And uh, I could go on. Uh, I think a couple weeks ago, we had like three, almost 300 volunteers in our children's and youth ministry gathered together for kind of a get psyched up here, let's go, you know, make things happening. And I think um, we've got a group who are going to, is it AWOL, is that what you call it? Reunion, where you guys are going to go up and visit the kids that you spent time with this summer. It's awesome. So it's fun to be part of a church where God is at work. And my favorite saying, I've said it many times with, uh, to you before, is that you cannot stay where you are and go with God. It just doesn't work. We serve a God who is on the move. And I'm thankful that Wooddale Church has been a church for its 80 years of existence that has always been on the move. Um, when I was a little boy growing up, which begins to feel more and more like ancient history, uh, Sometimes, I know this is very hard for you to believe, but sometimes I would say or do things that would get me in trouble. Normally it was my brother, but once in a while uh, I got in a little bit of trouble. And my mom uh, would call me into the room <clears throat> and she would always put her hands on her hip. Whenever I saw this around my mother's girth, I knew I was in trouble. And she would look at me and she would say, Mister, which never, I don't understand that, right? Why? Why don't you just call me son or Dale? Why do you give me that term of recognition when I'm in trouble? Mister, she would say, you've got some explaining to do. And then I would have to give an account for whatever it is that 
uh, I was being charged with. And, and, you know, sometimes it went okay because I'd explain, she'd go, okay, and then it would be Dale. Uh, but if it was not okay, I would be called Mr. for f- a few more minutes. Some of you are thinking to yourself after receiving this week's email or letter, Mr., you got some splaining to do. <laughs> if you're wondering, what are you talking about? I apologize if you didn't get the email or the letter. You need to get on our mailing list if you didn't. And if you are, and we still blew it, I'm sorry. But I announced that next August, at the end of next August, that's 2024, I'm going to be retiring from being a senior pastor. I'll be 65 in, in that cycle. And um, I'm going to step aside from being a senior pastor, period. All right? Um, now, I've been a senior pastor for over 40 years of my ministry. I've never known anything else. My first seven years, I was a senior pastor. My staff consisted of me, myself, and I. And uh, we didn't always get along. And I have fired myself many times. Uh, and I just keep coming back. Um, but uh, it's, been a, it's been a good and, and long and, 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 and good run. But I have sensed that God has been saying these last couple of years, it's time to step out of that role and step into a new role. So while I'm retired from being senior pastor, I'm being reappointed uh, into a new role uh, on behalf of Whitdale Church, and we're calling it Pastor of Kingdom Initiatives. And it's a, it's a part-time role, and you're probably wondering, what does that mean? And I'll explain it to you in just a minute. What I want to do, though, is remind you about the series we're in. And we're talking about knowing and doing God's will. And how do you know what God's will is? What does it mean to do God's will? And as we knew that, we've been looking at a couple of different characters in the Bible to kind of figure out, well, how do you respond to God when he calls you to do something, whether you're young or whether you're old? From Abraham, we've learned that when God speaks and tells us to go, we must be obedient, though we may not know everything that's ahead of us. And from the life of Moses, and Dr. Walter Kim referred to this last weekend, we learned that, you know, sometimes we're reluctant to go. We'd rather stay where we are. Moses was happy to stay in the wilderness. He'd been to Egypt once. He didn't want to go again. And we got to be willing to give up our reluctance and go with God. Today, very briefly, I want to look at one more characteristic uh, on this whole idea of going with God, and it's found in the book of Joshua. So if you want to take your Bibles out and turn to Joshua chapter 1, And if you don't mind, let's stand for the reading of God's word, Joshua chapter 1. And I'm going to start reading at verse 5, Joshua 1, 5. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I'll be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Remember, Joshua's taken over from Moses going into into the promised land. In verse 6, he says, Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you'll be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continuously. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my commandment. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. May God bless the reading of his word. You can be seated. So three different times in that passage of scripture, 
God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. In fact, let's all say that phrase together. Ready? Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. See, Joshua is going into kind of the unknown. And it was going to require courage on his part to take that step and trust that God was going to be with him like God was with Moses. You know, sometimes we face adversity and challenges in life. They can be intimidating, young or old, whether it's starting in a new school or, or a new class or a new job or a new neighborhood or whatever it is. And we, we have to have courage as we, as we step forward. I'm wondering what God is calling you to do right now that's calling for some courage in your in your own personal life. Well, as I step back and I think about Abraham and Moses and Joshua and all the characters in the Bible that God called to follow him, I've noticed that there's a pattern that seems to go with that calling. And I'm suggesting to you that that pattern is as true for you and me today as it was for any of the characters that we see in the Bible. And that pattern looks like this. I'll lay it out for you right here. It's, it's a call that comes, followed by courage. You've got to have courage. You've got to have faith. Then there are these God moments, these God moments. Os Guinness calls them transcendent moments. But I want to confuse that with transcendental meditation. We'll call them God moments. And that's when God just, just makes himself known, and, and, the, and the person knows that they know that they know they're supposed to do something. Then there are challenges, right? And, and some of those challenges we create for ourselves by our own, you know, impulsiveness or not listening to God or trying to do it for God. Some of the challenges the unseen realm creates for us, we call it spiritual warfare. And some of the challenges others create for us that maybe don't want to go with God and go with us. And then we all end, end up having, you know, wilderness experiences. Sometimes it's a week in the wilderness. Sometimes it feels like years in the wilderness. And the wilderness is that place that God allows us to be in where everything gets stripped from us, all our success, all our confidence, all, you know, everything seems to be taken away from us. We feel bad about it. We wonder where God is. But if we're faithful in the wilderness, what we do is we discover he's always been there. We just lost sight of him because of all the other stuff in our life. He takes us in the wilderness to find, to find ourselves and to find him. And then God sends mentors into our lives. And then God gives results through our lives that bring glory to him. And then there's usually a passing on of the baton, as we see from Moses to Joshua. And someday, everybody here, everybody here, unless the Lord returns, everybody here is going to pass on a baton of some sort to someone or some group. Now, what I'd like to do is I'd like to use uh, my testimony. I've never given you my full testimony. I've given you bits and pieces. But I want to use my testimony to show you how God has worked in my life uh, in this pattern that I've just described to you. And I want you to know, and this is the uncomfortable part about today for me, is I really don't, I really don't want this to be about me. I want this to be about God. And the lesson is if God can use somebody like me, he can use anybody. And I don't want you just to watch me. I'd like you actually to do this exercise with me. So I'm going to ask you whether you have your iPad or paper or your palm or your hand, whatever you're going to use. I, I, want you to, I want you to plot this out with me and think about your own life as well. Because in the end, the question for you is, you know, what's God doing in your life? How's he been working? How's he going to work in your life? So I'm going to use a circle. So draw a circle. 
And this circle kind of represents your life and, and my life. And in this case, this represents my life. And, and we'll start out with the call. So my call to follow God, and everybody here who's a believer, uh, you were called to follow God. You didn't find him, he found you. And at some point in your life, uh, whether it was gradual or instantaneous or in a service or a crusade or reading a book or reading the Bible, somebody sharing the faith with you, you made a decision, I'm going to follow Christ. Well, mine came when I was a little boy, about six or seven years of age. As many of you know, my parents were missionaries in Papua New Guinea in the Western Highlands. They were the first missionaries ever into that area. And so they went to unreached peoples. And they began to minister through medicine, through dentistry, and then with the gospel as, as people came to them for care. And they saw many people coming to faith in Christ. And my dad began to train these men as pastors and women as well. And um, these men and women, you know, biblically speaking, we would call them Timothys because remember, Paul was an apostle, right? And he trained Timothy and Titus and many others who went out and planted churches and ministered. So my dad's training these so-called Timothys, and one day I'm there, I love to just be around my, my dad, and I love just being around as a kid, listening to the stories. And I remember uh, they were talking about a, a group of mountain ranges that I can still see in the Kodak picture in my mind, um, misty covered off in the distance about the need to go over there across the range because there's a bunch of people over there, villages scattered throughout that don't know about God, don't know about Jesus. And I can't explain to you, I'll call it a God moment. By the way, uh, young people can have God moments just as much as older people can. Think of Samuel in the Bible, or uh, think of Mary in the Bible, or think of David in the Bible. Just, I can't explain it to you. It's like something came down and over me, and I, and I just said, I'll go. And I meant it. I'll go. I'm six or seven. I'll go. Do it. But it was there in my heart. And obviously too young to go, but that seed was planted. And I just knew that God had called me to go beyond the mountains, whatever that would mean. Well, let me fast forward. Uh, you've read my book or heard, or maybe you've listened to an audible reset. Uh, and I tell you my, my, my story because I faced so much adversity as a kid that I shouldn't even be here today. But by God's grace, I survived. So I want to fast forward uh, in this big call. And I want to talk to you few, for a few moments about how out of the big call, God gives us small c calls in our life. And it's, you know, it, it could be a call to read the Bible, a call to prayer, a call to attend a certain church, a call to use our gifts and our talents, a call to witness to somebody, a call to serve somebody, help somebody. We have all these little C's. God's always calling us out of our call to do certain things. Well, one of the things that God did in my life is he called me to come to Minnesota all right, to a school back then known as, we called it Speedy, all right, St. Paul Bible College, known today as Crown College. And uh, I began to notice this pattern that I described to you earlier that we had on the board, you know, courage and faith and challenges and God moments and wilderness, all that. I, I noticed that was kind of taking place in my life. And uh, I am so thankful uh, for my college experience uh, for two really important reasons. One is I received a wonderful education. It's where I really come to, I, I came to understand through some professors what it means to, to want to be filled with the Holy Spirit and walk with him. I am indebted uh, to my experience there. But the thing that happened to me at, at college 
is I received the second greatest gift of my entire life. The first greatest gift I've ever received is salvation through Christ. But the second greatest gift I've ever received in my life was meeting this beautiful blonde Norwegian named Marcia. I want you to know that I would not be here today if it wasn't for her life. I reminded her this morning that God, someday she's going to be shocked in heaven because anything that God has done in and through my life traces its way back to her. She's been the greatest mentor in my life. And so what a blessing, what a gift from God. I remind myself every day what a gift she is from God. And, you know, God gave her a pretty tough nut to have to deal with. But she's hung in there for 45, 44 years. All right? And uh, it's been good. Wow, I almost blew that one. All right? So after we finished college, uh, we went into the ministry, and, and that took us to a place called Ohio. All right? Now, I'm a Michigan fan, so that's very hard for me to say. And... Uh, because I grew up in Michigan, uh, after the mission field, and I saw the same pattern taking place while we were in Ohio in ministry there. Now, that was a very challenging time in our lives. Um, it, it was like seven years of being in the wilderness. I think I faced everything a pastor, I think I faced every dysfunction any pastor could ever face in any ministry in that little church. See, when I left college, I thought that I was going to be the next D.L. Moody and C.H. Spurgeon molded together, that I would preach and they would come. But what happened is I preached and they left. It was humbling. I, God broke me in those years of experience. I felt like I was on the backside of the wilderness. Nothing seemed to work right. And there were so many issues. But I had a chance to go to seminary. I taught school part-time. I was a custodian. I was the uh, secretary. I mean, I did everything in that little church. We grew from 15 to about 100. We bought some property. We renovated. There was some good fruit, but it was hard. Those were hard years. And then both of us felt like God was saying, your assignment is over. Now, let me say this. Some, some pastors, some men and women are called to be church planters. I'm not. Some are called to pastor churches for a long period of time, maybe their whole life. That isn't how God called me. I have more of a small a apostolic call in my life. God gives me assignments for a period of time to hand off for the next assignment. That's just how he's wired me. And so we sense that God was saying, it's time, you know, I have a new assignment for you. Now, this is before the internet, which I know is very hard for many of you to imagine, but it was before the internet. So I had to actually write handwritten letters or typed out letters and send them to churches that were looking for pastors that I would see in Christianity Today or some magazine. I contacted a place called Intercristo and got my name on a list, and they sent me churches that were available. You had to pay a fee for it. I sent out so many resumes, and I kept getting back the same response. Thank you for sending your resume. However, we're looking for somebody with more experience than you have. Nobody wanted a, a, a guy in his late 20s who had been in the wilderness and just graduated from seminary. And I got really discouraged. And then one day, I had a God moment. Can't explain it to you. I've only had maybe eight or nine of these in my life. I wish I could tell you more, some of the others, maybe some other time. But I had this God moment. It came over me, and I looked at Marsh, and I said... We're going to get a phone call tonight from the church that we applied to in California. Now, I had had no contact with them. 
But I just knew that I knew, and that night the phone rang. Man, that's exciting when that happens, right? And I picked it up, and it was the, the chair of the search committee, and he said, can we have a conversation? And that led to several phone conversations and visits out to Northern California, and then the invitation to become the pastor there. And so uh, we made our, our journey from there and uh, headed, out to, um, headed out to California, all right? I'll put that here. Okay, so we're on the move with God. And um, we're going to see the same pattern happen there. Courage, faith, wilderness, God moments, etc. And uh, I'll never forget on our way, because I was excited, folks. I was, I was leaving a church, you know, of, let's say, 100 people. And, and I, you know, we were going to a mega church of 250 people. As a young guy, that's a big deal, right? And I was so excited, and we had never driven over the Rocky Mountains before. And I remember as we were, as we were coming up over one of the, one of the mountains, and, and I could still see the curve. I'm very visual. I see the curve in my mind, and I had a spiritual panic attack. Have you ever had one of those? And the thought went through my mind, what if I blow it? What if I go out there and I screw things up? What if I go out there and the church doesn't grow and it fails? And I mean, I thought... I, I can't go back to Ohio now. What am I going to do? And God spoke, not in audible ways. I've never heard his audible voice that I know of. And, um, but it went through me as though he was right there in me. And, and I heard God say, and so what if you fail? All that matters is that you are faithful. And I can't explain it to you, but I felt absolutely released in that moment. Man, I felt totally released. And we made our journey there, and God blessed us with 12 wonderful years in Northern California. We saw great spiritual fruit. The church grew like crazy. We had all kinds of ministry taking place. It was just, it was great. And our kids were there, and we adopted our son there. Everything was really great. And then both Marsha and I sensed God was saying, your assignment here is over. And so we had felt that before, and we both knew it was coming from God. And our prayer was, Lord, please keep us in California because there's no winter here. <laughs> and it's beautiful, and we loved it. And so um, I said, okay, well, let's explore, see what God has. And, and there were a couple of churches that were very interested in us, but I always finished, like, number two. And, um, and I thought, well, maybe, maybe we misread that in our hearts wrong. And then I got this phone call from a guy named Rich Kristak, who was our former CFO here at Whitdale. Rich was the chair of the search committee in Naperville, Illinois, and he said, I'm going to be around. I heard about you. Can we meet? And we talked, and we met, and we talked, and I'm re-calendars. My wife says I remember everything by food. Uh, that's true. And um, afterwards, uh, he said, why don't you come out to Chicago and just pay us a visit? And I said, oh, okay, we will. So we flew out there. We met some of the staff, and we heard about the church and learned more about its history, and we flew back home, and we both looked at each other, and we said, we're not going back to Chicago. We're, we're, I'd rather stay right where we are. And Rich called again, and, and he said, you got to come back, you got to come back. And we're like, nah, I'm not sure. He goes, oh, just give us one more chance. You didn't meet with our elders. We, I, I, I want you to meet with our elders. And, and he promised me uh, Lou Malati's deep dish pizza. So I was like, okay, that's worth it right there. So we flew back, and we landed at the beginning of an ice storm. And I, I took that as God's sign, do not go to the Midwest. 
we spent a couple hours at night with them, and then we went back to the hotel. And we hadn't said anything to each other, you know, at the meeting. And when we both walked into the hotel, we both looked at each other, and we were like, I guess we're moving to Naperville. Because it was obvious to us. It's like God went inside of us and flipped the switch. We're so moved by the elders and their vision and their heart and their desire. It just, it just fits so well with us. And so uh, we made our move, and we went to Illinois. And once again, saw the same pattern that you see in the Bible. We saw it playing out in our lives as well, courage and faith and God moments and, you know, wilderness and also mentors and spiritual fruit and passing baton. It all, it all happened there. And uh, we just had a great time. 12 years. I thought, I thought for sure this is where, this is where we're going to retire. Two of our grandkids just lived down the street from us. They'd come over. I mean, it was awesome. And then I got a phone call from this guy named Pat Maserol, who was the board chair at Whitdale Church. And he also happened to be the, search chair, uh, the chair of the search committee as well. He said, hey, can I come down and have lunch with you? Now, let me back this up a little bit. When we were here in California, I met Pat. And that's because our church uh, joined something that Wooddale was doing called Church Grow. You know, one of the things I value so much about Wooddale Church has not been just about Wooddale, it's been about others and sharing our resources and what we know with other churches. We're a kingdom uh, church. We, that's one of our values. And so I was so excited I could be part of Church Grow. And so our church and several others came here for almost a week of meetings with Pastor Leith and the staff and learned how Whitdale worked and learned about how we needed to change some things. Prior to that, we had a, a self-study we had to do, and Pat was the consultant they sent out to help us with our self-study and kind of give us a report on who we were and some changes we may need to make. And by the way, that was one of the things that turned our church around in California was having been here and experience, having that experience and having Pat here. Well, since that time, I mean, it's like 20-some years ago, right, at, 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 at that point, uh, Pat would come to Naperville because his, his daughters were at Wheaton College. And, uh, and whenever he came down, he sometimes would attend Naperville, and we'd say hi to each other, maybe talk four or five minutes. Uh, I invited him to come to a board retreat for us at Naperville, which was hugely helpful to our board. But that's the extent of our, our, of our relationship, our acquaintance. And so uh, Pat uh, came down, and we had lunch together, and, and he said, you know, we're looking for a pastor in, uh, at, at Wooddale, in, in, there in Minnesota, and uh, you're one of several names that we've been thinking about, and we've been doing some, you know, background checks on you and listening to your sermons and such, and, and would you allow your name to be considered as, as a possible candidate? Well, what Pat did not know then, and what I'm about to say is going to sound almost arrogant, and I, I, I say this with absolute sincerity and honesty before you. There's no arrogance in this. But when I was back here in Ohio, we would uh, visit Minnesota because Marsha's mom and dad attended with Dale Church back in the uh, 80s and, and, and 90s. And uh, for us, because we were as poor as dirt, vacation was to come spend time with the in-laws and uh, live off of them, <laughs> uh, and, and then we'd come over here to Whitdale. And I'll never forget, I was in, uh, we came to a service, it was actually in the great room, and Stuart Briscoe had spoken that, that weekend. We were walking through the hallway, 
and I had a God moment. Just came right over me. And I told my wife, I said, God said to me tonight that I will be back here as the leader someday. Now, I'm about 28 years old. I was not, fortunately, there was no social media in those days. Can you imagine putting that on Instagram? Uh, there's nothing, there, you know, but there was only one person I could tell, and it was my wife. So if you don't believe me, you have to believe Marsha because she doesn't lie, all right? I don't lie either, but I, I told her. So I'm not making this up, okay? And it's like years and years go by, right? And that just always stuck with me. I mean, I'll even go further out on the limb. I'm sure this anybody else. When I heard that Leith had retired, I thought, hmm, okay, God, was that just a fantasy? Is that a mental condition I had back then? Or were you really speaking? So when Pat asked me that question 25 or whatever years later, I went home. Remember, Marcia? I laid across the bed upstairs, and I said to her, we're moving to Minnesota which is one of the hardest things for me to say because I didn't want to say goodbye to my grandsons. But it was so obvious to me. God had confirmed that way back here in his goodness and his grace. And so we packed everything up and we came to Minnesota. And, you know, in our time here in Minnesota, we've seen the same pattern take place that we've seen everywhere else that we've seen in the Bible. There have been challenges here. Anybody who's been here before and during my time here knows that, right? And listen, I created some of the challenges for myself. I admit that. And for, and for some of the ones that were hard challenges that I may have created, I'm sorry. But you know what? You created some of them too. So we're all in the same bucket, all right? <laughs> but I want to tell you what, I have, I have grown, Marsha and I have grown to love this church, which means you. You've been an absolute blessing. And, and you've been such a blessing, the staff, and you've been such a blessing because I don't, I just don't know, and I know there are, but you know, I just don't know another church where God has done so much through it in so many places around the world. The pastors that have come out of here, that are pastoring churches around the country and around the world, the missionaries that have come out of here, the, the leaders of businesses and organizations that have been touched in some way by this church is absolutely amazing. And it's been an honor and a privilege to be part of that. But in these last couple of years, I've been sharing with Pat and with the Board of Elders that in my journeys on behalf of Wooddale Church into our overseas ministry, and in particular with the Timothy Initiative, God has rekindled something in me that goes back to the very first call he placed in my life. God has been showing me that he's used all these years to prepare me for times such as this. And I want to spend the rest of my, my life, my ministry life, pouring into nationals because they don't have the luxury of what we have. We have such a great you know, congregation, we have a great facility, we have, great, we have great staff, we have great pastors, great leaders. They don't have that. These men and women are out in the bush laying their lives down for the sake of the gospel. They're pouring themselves out and, and, and who's pouring into them? And, and I just feel like that's where God can use me the most. Which kind of raises the question, right, about passing the baton. Because the last thing I want to do is leave Wooddale sitting for a couple of years trying to find a new pastor. I, I just wouldn't do that. I don't think it would be healthy for us. I don't think it would be right. And so, 
the elders and I have been praying and saying, well, who? You know, if this is going to happen, what would create a seamless baton? And, and, and we've, always, we've always had a sense in our hearts that they would be Cal Robinson. Um, and I just dearly love Cal and Stephanie. I've, I've got, I've had the privilege of watching him for the last nine years. The elders, we've, we've, you know, if you think about it, our whole congregation has been vetting him for nine years. You know, if you brought in somebody from the outside, you, you might get a couple of weeks, right? And how do you really know their hearts? And there's a risk involved in that. And, you know, our church is unique. We're a multi-generational church. We have, we have young and, and middle, and we also have an older generation here. And, we don't want to ruin that. We, we think that's pretty special. I remember when I first came, people were worried when I first showed up, you know, because people didn't know me, and all they knew about me is I led a, con- a church that was all about contemporary music. The rumor was I was going to sell the Wooddale organ, <laughs> literally. And I was just like, oh, where does this stuff come from, right? I didn't even know how we would get it out, let alone, <laughs> let alone sell it, right? And, you know, it's taken me about... 11 years to convince everybody I love our traditional service and Cal loves our traditional service and he loves the modern service and I think he's one of the most well-balanced individuals we could ever ask for that would be willing to say I want to move forward with both I love multi-generational well the last couple years um, Cal's had so many offers from churches around the country who want him to come pastor uh, you know what we would call a real modern church in terms of music and, and contemporary and he would be great at it, but he has felt like God said, no, you're supposed to be here at Wooddale. He sold his home in Lakeville and actually moved here. And I've, I've watched him grow in his character, his integrity. He's, he's gotten all the degrees you could ever want in theology, and he's got his doctorate, a real doctorate. Um, he, um, he loves God. He's got an amazing gift of leadership. He has an amazing wife. To me, that's one of the most important things as a pastor, if you're married, is who your spouse is. And there's a humility in Kyle. And he and I have had a lot of talks, and I've, I've told Kyle, and I'll say it to him while he's sitting here, try not to get emotional about it. He has all the gifts of leadership you could imagine. But the one thing, that Kyle, I want you to always pursue, and I know you've told me it's your heart, and this is what excites me the most, is he wants to be a man of God. That's all that matters, is you have a pastor who says, I want to be a man of God. I want to live a life that's holy and spirit-filled. I live in pastor world. I hate to tell you this. There are too many pastors today who are professionals, not men of God. And that's what you want. And if you decide, because it's going to be up to you to decide in November at the annual meeting, if you decide he's going to be your man, you're going to have to pray for him that way every single day, like I pray and trust you've done for me. But that'll be your choice. The elders and I are just recommending him to you. And there'll be forums, and you can ask him all kinds of questions to see if you can stump him. That's always fun. And, uh, and go through that whole process. But you'll have an opportunity, and then you'll have to prayerfully, those of your members, make that decision. So, well, what are you going to do? Well, I, I already said I'm going to take a part-time role, pastor a kingdom initiative. What that means is, number one, I'm going to spearhead our desire to plant 30,000 churches in parts of India and Nepal where there are no churches at all. Remember, we want to do that by 2032, 30,000 churches. 
I'm bound and determined to help us get there and make it happen, to lead on that part. I'm not the missions pastor. That's somebody else is going to do that role. That's a very comprehensive role. I'm just taking this one slice of it. In addition, Wooddale's releasing me to TTI, and I'm going to take a role with TTI to be their director of spiritual formation. So I'm kind of wearing two hats. And what that simply means is I'm going to be able to spend way more time doing what I've already been doing, pouring into these men and women who are the, you know, the leaders on the field, feeding them spiritually, encouraging them so they can keep feeding others. And that's just how God's gifted me. I, I, God's, somehow God has allowed me to be able to relate really well with people in other cultures like that. I, I, they draw with me. They love it. We act out the stories. It's just, it's just who God made me to be. And I, it's like I only have you know, a few years left as, as you know, when you think in terms of eternity, and I want to give myself to that on behalf of Wooddale and on behalf of TTI. God's doing amazing things. And thanks. God's, God's doing amazing, amazing things through TTI. I want to tell you about it. Just through Wooddale in the last two years, we're training, you are supporting materials for, we don't pay anybody, you're supporting materials for 349 Pauls. And the Pauls are, are, are men and women, mostly men, who run training uh, facilities that can have up to 25 different Timothys who are being trained, who are planting churches. That means that right now, so far, we're training over 11,000 Timothys and Tituses in the last two years. We've seen over 27,000 new believers come to faith in Christ just by our little part with TTI, over 3,700 baptized, and over 1,700 widows and orphans who are being cared for. And you're part of that. And folks, that's just going to become exponential in the future. TTI itself right now, currently, just right now, is training 8,191 Pauls. That translates into about 129,000 Timothys. If you've ever been to U.S. Bank Stadium, I'm not, but I think it seats, what, 60, 70,000? Well, how would you feel if you walked in one day and saw 60 or 70,000 men and women who are being trained in the gospel, who are going out, sharing their faith, and planting churches? Would that bless you? Would you rather see that or just go see a Vikings game? <laughs> well, right now it's easy, right? That's where I'd want to go. That's what I would want to see. Imagine that, listen, imagine that two times over. And you and I get to be a part of that. We're one of the, we're in the right now, moving forward, we're, we're like the leading church partner with TTI. God's doing amazing, amazing things over 40 different countries. Since 2023, there have been 187,000 men, women, boys, and girls who have come to faith in Christ through the ministry of TTI. And you and I, and you and I, you and I get to be a part of it. You know, I get to be a part of it, and I get, I get to represent you. I'll also keep teaching if Kyle's the next senior pastor when he invites me to. Um, you'll see Marsha and I around. I'll give him some space, you know, if this is how God leads at first. Um, I'm going to continue to lead Bible land tours. I'm actually going to create a curriculum. I'll, for instance, I'll go over, let's say, to Israel, and let's say I go to, um, um, let's say I go to Capernaum or Jesus' headquarters, I'll create like maybe six lessons there uh, on, on things that Jesus said and did using the archaeology, using the site. And then those will be videoed and we'll create a curriculum around them with, with questions. 
that groups can use at Wooddale or individuals can use and we can make available to others. Um, so lots, lots of things that I'm really looking forward to and a little bit more time with my grandkids because we miss them desperately. Now some of you, uh, before Pat comes up, some of you are probably thinking to yourself, are you really sure this is the right thing to do? And I want to share with you just one more quick God moment story. Um, in August, I was in Indonesia teaching about 90 pastors and leaders. And the very last day, and I've been talking to them about being filled with the Spirit and ministering out of the presence of God. And the very last day, this uh, guy comes up to me, and you'll see his picture up here when I get rid of all my scribblings. And um, he asked me through a translator, because his English was not very good, he said, would you please, would you please pray for me? And, and that happens often. And I said, sure, I'd be happy to pray with you. And I asked the translator who I know, I said, We're, you know, is he ministering in a difficult part of, of Indonesia? And he said, yes, and he says, in a very dangerous part. And he really wants, he really wants God to use him. I said, okay, I'll pray for him. And, and, and so he says to the translator, I want you, I, I want you Pastor Dale, to place your hands on my head when you pray for me which I have no problem doing. I don't do it often. If I'm asked to, I will. But I felt uncomfortable doing it because I felt like you ought to be praying for me because you're the guy. I mean, God's, you know, I, I'm not worthy to wash the feet of most of these men and women. So I place my hands on his head. And as I do, he falls to his knees. So now I'm like this, and I'm feeling really uncomfortable, like standing over him. So I get down on my knees and then with my hands, you know, on my knees, with my hands on his head, he takes his head and my hands and he tucks it into the dirty carpet. And he just starts to weep. It's really hard to pray for somebody who's weeping. Do you know why? Because, then, because I can't keep it together. I'm getting really emotional. I feel like I don't, I'm like, God, I mean, I'm a professional minister. It's like, God, I don't know how to pray for him right now. You've got to give me the words. So I'm down there. I'm asking the Holy Spirit to fill him, to protect him, to, to bless his family if he has one, to use him. And, and, and then, you know, we finish, and he gets back up, and he gives me the biggest hug. And he says, will you be my mentor? And I can't be everybody's mentor. But I can keep showing up, and I can keep teaching, and I can keep training. And I walked away from that, and I thought, yeah, this is what I'm supposed to do. For the sake of the kingdom, on behalf of TTI, and on behalf of Wooddale Church. I really believe, folks, that we're, we're at the beginning of God doing something pretty substantial here in Minnesota through this church, here, near, and far. Amen. Now... Um, I'm going, to ask, uh, I'm going to ask Pat Masrell to come up, our board chair, search chair. There he is. Before he comes up, though, I, I just want to stop one, one maybe misunderstanding. Some people think, like, I'm leaving tomorrow. I still have about 11 more months, all right? And I've worked hard on the sermon series that will end next August, so promise me you'll show up every weekend, all right? <laughs> Probably the most important messages I will share with you is the next 10 months. You know, Pastor Dale has shepherded Wooddale for over 10 years now. 
Uh, he's now passing that baton of leadership at a time that best serves this church, the church he pastors. Godly stewardship is not only managing the object of our stewardship for God's purpose during the time it's in our care, it's also leaving the fruit of that care well positioned for the future. So Pastor Dale's reassignment is his stewardship for the future, for the next generation and for the next chapter of Wooddale. It's been informed and guided for nearly three years in prayer and humility, and with courage, courage to accept God's timing and God's preparation for that next chapter. The Board of Elders is recommending that we call Pastor Kyle to serve as Wooddale's next senior pastor. We trust that that recommendation is not from us, but that it's the Lord's. It's been reached with prayer for guidance, for unambiguous clarity, and for protection from our own human bias and predisposition. We're instructed in Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own insight. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. As elders, we've diligently sought not to rely on our own insight. We planned and laid out a path and a calendar over the last 18 months to seek and rely upon the Lord's guidance. A path of development, of discernment, of diligence, and of decision. You'll hear more of that path in the coming weeks and more of the transition. Lord, thank you for your faithful blessings on Wooddale Church over many years through changing seasons of ministry and transition of pastors. Thank you for the blessing of godly pastors who teach your word and follow your purpose for Wooddale to make more disciples for Jesus Christ. We ask that you lead us in that purpose into the next generation. In this upcoming time of transition, keep Wooddale focused on you. Protect us from attacks that may divert us from the ministry you intend. We ask that Dale and Marcia will be rested and prepared for the re reassignment you've given them. A reassignment that continues and amplifies the impact of this church in far parts of the world. That Kyle and Stephanie will maintain excitement energy, and vision for Wooddale's next chapter, a chapter carried on by the next and future generations of believers, that the elders will be guided in our oversight of Wooddale's mission, ministry, and pastoral tr transition, that the people of Wooddale will continue in their prayerful support and service to your kingdom. We pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.